0: Hey everyone, this is Josh from Solopreneur Grind for episode seventy-nine of the Solopreneur Grind Podcast. I'm here with Melvin, founder of Mello Multimedia. Melvin, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you so much, Josh, for having me. I really appreciate being on the show. It looks so awesome from the past episodes I've listened so far. So I'm excited to be here.
0: Very cool. They're always exciting to me to hear another solopreneur or entrepreneur type story. Can you tell a little bit uh, tell us a little bit more about you, what you're working on right now, and then of course we'll do a deep dive on how you got here.
1: Definitely. It's funny, man. I always get like these type of questions. I never know how to answer them just because it's like, it's like, who are you? And I'll start, <laughs> you know, it's so much to it, right?
0: Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a loaded question that we don't often take the time to think about
1: too much. Exactly. But I
0: did warn you, you'd be getting this question ahead of time.
1: Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. Definitely. Uh, so, yeah, so my name is Melvin Figueroa. Um, you know, I, I was originally born in Boston, Massachusetts, um, and then moved over in 2001 to Rhode Island. So, I'm a Rhode Islander at heart. Uh, I recently moved to Florida, specifically in Melbourne. Uh, it was a really good startup scene happening here right now. Hmm. Um, I'm a father of two kids an 11 year old, two year old. So, I'm a, I'm a family man at heart. Um, everything I do is for my family. Um, I'm also a very devout uh, Christian as well, that's another facet of my life. Um, you know, so it's all these things I'm juggling on top of being a entrepreneur as well once, once we get into the conversation. Um, so that's a little bit of my backstory. but when it comes to professional part of my life, um, I've always been a creative person. I've always been that kid dueling in the back of tests or in the margins of notebooks when handing in homework. So I've always had that creative part of me, always. And, um, you know, from there, I kind of transitioned into like, what am I going to do now in high school? And in high school, I had a a person that really believed in me, Um, was actually an advisor of mine. And he was telling me, you know, if you really, you, you got two choices here. You could be a starving artist and do fancy sculptures and paintings and doodles and all this stuff. Or you can go into the more technical route of like graphic arts and working with machinery or just something that's more like applicable in an industry. So I had that tough conversation, and I decided to take some college classes in high school because they offered it. So I thought to myself, why not? So I went ahead. and I actually took classes at RISD, uh, Rhode School of Design, which is a really big art school in the area. Um, a lot of international kids go there as well too. So it's it kind of it's like the brown of of um, of the art schools, mm-hmm. at least one of them. And I took some classes there. I learned like Photoshop, Illustrator, all the design programs. And I even took some drawing classes to kind of refine like my illustration skills while I was there. And I really just fell in love with graphic arts, which kind of fast forward led me to, once I went to school uh, and got a degree in multimedia web and design at New England Institute of Technology. Um, I then on started working at different firms and different art studios and um, different agencies as well. Um, anywhere from like print design to web design to making logos, I've done it all. And that's kind of what birthed uh, Mellow Multimedia, hence the word multimedia. Um, because I even did like animation, videography, photography. Um, I definitely have my favorites out of those categories, which is web. Um, now that in 2020, I feel like web kind of leads the way when it Mm -hmm. comes to everything else. I, I, I tend to say that web is kind of like the dinner plate. Right. And you can't really put anything on a dinner plate if you don't have a dinner plate. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of like a little bit of my backstory. I might be going a little too forward, but that's kind of where I'm at now. That's kind of what encompasses Melvin. You know,
0: very cool. And, and can you tell us a little bit more about where your head was at when you had that conversation with your advisor? Like, is that was that a big driver to, to where you are today, would you say?
1: Yeah, you know, you can imagine uh, being a high school kid, you kind of take it day by day, you know, in high school as anyone would. And, but at some point, you do kind of get to that point where, um, where you have to realize what are you going to do after high school, you know, Mm -hmm. after basketball and soccer and all these things that you do after school and during school. And, um, you know, I'm actually really grateful and thankful for that conversation that I had with my advisor at the time because honestly, like you're saying, like I I was a little hesitant. just wanted to be a creative type. That's it. I didn't want to get all technical. I didn't want to work in a cubicle. because I felt like if you um, started kind of taking away that creativeness, that organic creativeness and kind of doing something more commercial, you kind of end up in a cubicle. So I thought, Mm -hmm. Um, but the more I learned about it, uh, taking those classes and kind of seeing the different careers that stem and even the choices of, of even being an entrepreneur that can stem from those um, disciplines of like learning how to use Photoshop, Illustrator, it intrigued me more and it kind of led me down the path of, of maybe it's not as bad as I thought,
0: you know. Right. Yeah. Very cool. So, so you decide to go down that path for school and then when you graduated mm-hmm. and we'll call it, you know, like hit the job market. Yeah. What were the first few years of, of your career like? Well,
1: first and foremost uh, I did not want to be an entrepreneur I actually dreaded the idea of being an entrepreneur I was like that's not for me I don't want to do taxes or my own taxes and business taxes and all that I don't want to uh, sit there and look for clients I don't I, you know all the things that come with being an entrepreneur that kind of put fear in your heart you know and also even like how am I gonna get clients and all these things I was like you know what I'd rather just jump into the hamster wheel like everybody else and just work for a company and that's it I know that you know, a lot of my income is going to be product uh, uh, predictable, and you know everything's going to work out, and benefits, and all that good stuff, and taxes are way easier. Um, so I never actually wanted to be an entrepreneur. So what, when I first started, I actually um, what I was doing was uh, just going from different um, jobs to job, kind of taking from those jobs and moving on to the next. Um, so. A big thing, just backtracking a little bit, in high school, I actually had, my school ran on internships, so you're supposed to have an internship every year. And so oh, wow. once I started kind of getting away from the organic creative side of, of, of art and started going towards more like, you know, using Photoshop and Illustrator and those sort of things, and really understanding graphic design, digital marketing, web design, um, I actually started doing internships related to that. So my first, first internship in that um, was working for a design studio, and I learned a lot like so much from that internship, um, because the person that I had internship from uh, was someone that did exactly what I was doing now, photo, video, web, logos, branding kits, everything. Um, so that's where it really started. And then from there, once I graduated, I would get these jobs. Like one job I had was working at a print uh, shop. And so from there, I learned about, you know, bleeds and not letting things, you know, run off the margins and how much spacing for everything for it to print properly. Um, I also worked at another job, um, I think this was like right after uh, college, I believe, uh, which was a packaging uh, place that actually did packaging for places like Kohl's and Juicy Couture. And so I was able to actually do projects for those big brands, which is really awesome. Hmm. Um, So I just literally just learned from a lot of different jobs. And then eventually, um, I, I eventually got exposed to so much of like working behind the scenes of these like small businesses and agencies and print houses that I realized it's not that hard. You know, if they could do it, why can't I? And, and to be honest, not to pat myself on the back or anything, I felt like I could probably do this a lot better, you know, cause I used to see like what they, where the hiccups were in their process and their workflow. And I'd be like, man, why don't they just not do this one part or, do, or tweak this a little bit? And that really was the bug that started mm-hmm. to grow in me entrepreneurship eventually.
0: Yeah, I actually think that that's probably the factor in deciding on who's going to take that entrepreneurial leap or not, right? It's Mm -hmm. not necessarily who wants to do taxes and find clients, right? Because nobody wants it, I guess, other than accountants, Mm -hmm. and probably even they don't want to do taxes, right? It's the people who think I can do that better, or I, you know, my own version of this would be better. That is mm-hmm. kind of what drives people to take that leap. Before we talk about that leap, Melvin, would you recommend taking the same approach to other people? And by same approach, I mean graduating and, you know, tasting a whole bunch of different, if we can go back to the, the dinner plate reference, like a whole bunch of different plates, work for a whole bunch of different companies, learn a whole bunch of different things, or is that kind of more fitting to the line of work that you went down?
1: Um, it depends, you know. For me personally, my own style and my own journey, I work really well with mentors and I work really good with people showing me how they do things and then I can kind of take and kind of Frankenstein it to like make it be better, right? Um, I do believe that there are some people out there that can just take the die and just go for it, you know, and learn, like make a bunch of mistakes and then learn from them and then they have a thriving business. Um, I think it's more beneficial to like first learn from the guys that are further ahead from you. You know, so like how I did like work for the print shop, the design house, all these different places, because then, you know, like I said before, like the, the mistakes that they make and you can then not repeat those mistakes yourselves. And, and in turn, that really saves you time, daily mm-hmm. effort, and most of all, it saves you money, you know, from buying equipment and software and things that you really don't know how to use fully mm-hmm. or even um, just things in general, like a, a CRM. Some of them are really a lot of like thousands of dollars a year, you know, and so. Things like that, if you are first able to just be a student first for a while, maybe in a couple, even a couple of years, um, then making that decision is like, hey, maybe now I'm ready to do that. Because again, I think um, there's a lot of consequences when you jump the gun too early.
0: Yeah, I mean, not only does it save you money, you actually get paid to learn those lessons too, right? That's the other great mm-hmm. part is that you're yeah. earning a salary to learn, which is, which is really great. Okay, so you, you have all these experiences, you're starting to get that bug, right? The, you know, this is how I would do it, I could do it better. Mm-hmm. What was that like? How long did you kind of go through that phase? And then what was it like when you finally pulled the trigger and said, all right, it's time to go out on my own?
1: Um, well for me it was seeing the money come in and seeing like seeing the money come in and me not busting my hump as hard working for someone else when it was for me I felt like first of all one of the biggest attractors too was like just the freedom like I work on my own schedule that right there was probably what kept me kind of going like keep, like investigating further down this road but um I would say you know that was one thing also like just the fact that my business was actually growing even when I didn't have a formal business but the fact that the word was getting out that Melvin does website that he does photography that he can help your business grow and that to me was exciting because even when I was younger what I something that I kind of skipped before I'm um, talking about my history was that I used to get the biggest satisfaction from creating nothing or something that was just an idea whether it's somebody else's idea or my own idea and making it into actual like something tangible And so even today, like, you know, running my own business, that's still my favorite part is having talking to a business owner that's going through a lot of problems and situations in their business and creating something tangible that can improve their business. And uh, I deal a lot with websites and I I really focus on sales oriented websites that can do something or automate your business or make it run smoother. And so it just kind of kept transitioning to that. And I just that's really was one of the bugs that really got me going. was just like the freedom. Uh, the fact that I was actually making money and my business was growing and I was still able to create, uh, nothing out of something,
0: mm-hmm. I mean,
1: something out of nothing like I did when I, when it all got me started in there. And that's really what keeps me going today is that. Right.
0: And, but, but so what did that tipping point look like? Like, was there a day where you quit your job? Did you start freelancing on the side and kind of transition into it or mm-hmm. how did that go?
1: Yeah. So, um, on a more practical level, yeah, definitely, uh, I would go, like i mentioned before, I would work at all these different places and then from there I would pick up these disciplines and with these disciplines that I would learn actually on the job, I would then apply them to actual people, I would actually look for clients or look for people, even friends, family, anybody that I knew had a business or somebody that had an idea for a business, I'd be like, hey man, I can help you get your idea of a business off the ground. I've always been that type of person where I've always loved to help people too and so Once I learned how to make a logo in Illustrator, I was looking for everybody and their mom to make a logo in Illustrator for it, you know? And the same thing with websites and photography and videography. I was just like so happy that I learned something that could help other people. And that's how, you know, it was a big transitioning point. But again, to just be on a more practical level, um, eventually uh, I just kept picking up clients little by little. And then I, in 2015, I actually um, formed my business. And from then on, I just took the 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 leap of faith and i just did that i picked up really what it really was for me to feel secure to like leave the nine to five was the fact that i i do a lot of um i offer a recurring service of what i do and so once i built up enough recurring service that's really when i decide to leave my job you know and i just kept on building people on that recurring um, model and then that's what keeps me uh away from the nine to five you know for someone else
0: awesome And so what would you recommend to others? Like if if someone's listening right now and they're working a nine to five, they have a little bit of the, you know, the, you know, I could do it better type bug. What do you think the first maybe two or three steps should be for them? Not even necessarily, you know, go start the business tomorrow, but like, Mm -hmm. what are a couple things that they could do to even just evaluate or, you know, get the kind of ball rolling?
1: Yeah. Well, if you think you could do it better, I would say go and do it better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, go and do it better. What I mean by that is go and look for clients, go and look for people, even if it's a free job. What, the way that I started was doing it all for free or very, very cheap. Like I literally went from free to cheap to then just a little less like a little less cheap to like, OK, now we, we're gaining a little more confidence now. I feel like right. like I'm worth my money. I'm worth the value that I give to these businesses. And so I would say that, you know, while you're working the nine to five, uh, get your name out, go to networking events, market on social media, do those little things on the side. So it's kind of a tipping point where it's like, OK, now my side gig is making more money than my full time uh, job. And that's when, you know, that it's a good safe time to, to go. Also, mm-hmm. too, like for me, um, I was I'm, I'm married. I have two kids. So it's a little bit harder for me because um, there's people that rely on me. I'm the only one that works here. Um, you know, cause my wife takes care of the kids and without her, I can't work. And mm-hmm. so it's very, you have to, if you're single, it's a lot easier because if you like make a mess and you just ruin everything, then you're, you're, you'll you're be fine. But mm-hmm. with someone like me, I have to be very careful and that's how I did it. I just waited until that tipping point kind of got to the point where I felt comfortable and confident that this is sustainable uh, you know, for, for the future, for my family, for myself.
0: Absolutely, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And then when you did pull the trigger, was it as hard as you expected it to be especially at the beginning with the clients with the taxes i mean we benefit now because there's so many tools right the quickbooks and the you know all this software that makes bookkeeping accounting a lot of that stuff easier but what was it like for the those first few months for you was it harder than you expected was it easier than you expected it sounds like you started in a pretty good spot because you did have ongoing clients recurring revenue but Mm-hmm. I'm always interested to hear about kind of the first six months when you actually pulled the trigger.
1: Yeah, it was definitely scary. I think when you are now thinking like, where's my next paycheck going to come from that puts fear. And I think most people, especially, well, if you're a young person listen to you like, yeah, whatever, mom and dad will take care of me. But if once you're like an actual adult, you know um, it's tough, like it, it's, it's frightening, especially like I mentioned before, when you have people depending on you, it's even more frightening. Cause it's like, everything's on me you know Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was it was it was scary it was something that was scary um i think it's it should be scary i think the things that that have the best payoff are the things that are the most scary you know and i just kind of even now i i put myself in uncomfortable situations but i learned how to like kind of be comfortable in the uncomfortable if that makes sense Mm -hmm. you know um and the thing is too like i'm such a uh interesting person, I always measure everything almost like, well, I'm not going to die, you know? And, and yeah. that's how I think of it. It's like, hey, if I quit my mm-hmm. job and I do this, um, the freelancing thing on my own, I'm not going to die. You know, like mm-hmm. worst case scenario, I have a good story of how I failed or something, you know? So I, I just kind of really think of it realistically because I think sometimes in our heads, we're our own biggest enemies. think oh Mm -hmm. nobody's gonna get this from me nobody's gonna buy that nobody's gonna want what i have my i don't really solve a real problem and a lot of it's in your mind but once you actually do it you're like wow it wasn't really that bad and you kind of touched on it a little bit with like the taxes and stuff when it comes to taxes like man just just get a tax person you know uh your own tax person can probably do your taxes for you um but for me specifically i actually uh knew somebody who specializing in doing taxes for designers Um, so he does taxes for like videographers, photographers, interior designers, architects, like you name it, he does it. And so he actually takes care of everything for me. And I think that, um, you know, those, uh, parts that kind of like intimidate you a little bit. Um, it's a good place for maybe hiring that out and and kind of delegating that to someone else because Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about taxes. My tax guy does that for me, you know? And, um, in terms of getting clients, that's another thing that causes a lot of fear. Um, if you work, like, like I mentioned before, if you're working at nine to five, use that time wisely to build relationships, you know? That's one of my biggest regrets uh, when I was younger was that I felt like I could have probably made more long lasting relationships that could have been beneficial to me now. And that's really, um, you know, a good way to explore the business, just focus on building relationships. And not the type of relationships where like, you know, where you just want something from the other person, but like real actual business, like friendships almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you do that early, you'll be even better off once you actually get the ball rolling with your business.
0: Yeah, a couple of really good points there. I mean, there's no you can't put a value on a good network when it when it comes to mm-hmm. business. That's definitely what I've learned. And yeah. and then one of the other quotes uh, for those not on the on the solopreneur grind email list, I highly recommend joining. We send a quick quote Monday to Friday just to get your day started. And one that we sent uh, this week was from a couple episodes ago where uh, Richard Lau was saying, you want to do things that are difficult because if they were easy, it means a whole lot of other people would be doing them. There'd be you know, more competition, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? You want to almost kind of lean into those things that are a little bit harder, a little bit more difficult. Kind of like exactly what you said, there's probably mm-hmm. a lot more on the other end once you break through that. So su- yeah, super valuable lesson. So Melvin, you pull the trigger You get started on your own. It's a little scary, but you start figuring it out. You're outsourcing the things you're not comfortable with, which Mm -hmm. I think is a a great strategy for everybody. And where where does it go from there? Like, what's how how was it like kind of getting into the groove and and what has it been like growing since then? And, you know, because typically what we struggle with those first couple months some of the things we struggle with forever right it's you always got to be thinking about that next client but as yeah. you've become more successful had more successful clients uh how did kind of the dynamic change
1: yeah there there's a big dynamic change for me and also i still deal with it today uh, and for me what it is is discipline self-discipline um when you when you have like your own um business like one of the big one of the hardest hurdles um it's just building that discipline for yourself like getting the work done getting the promises fulfilled that you did for clients um also managing your own time managing your own to-do list of all the you know the stuff that has to be done even like the smaller um more like bullet point items for each project Mm -hmm. um i feel like that's i'm a very transparent person so i I, that's that's really like one of my struggles is having that self-discipline sometimes because Um, Again, that voice in your head or that that mindset you have is like, oh, I'll get to it later. And then when it's like later, you're freaking out because you should have done it like days ago or weeks ago, right? Um, So I'd say like that's probably the number one thing that if you're not a person who's disciplined, um, try your best to be disciplined, whether reading books or, you know, how to become better at self-discipline or um, setting up some sort of system that works for you specifically to become disciplined, um, I would say. But that's definitely something that i think a lot of people might struggle with is self-discipline
0: hey guys quick 30 second interruption to say we started a solopreneur grind email list every monday to friday if you want a quick short email right to your inbox with a motivational quote just to get you through the grind it can be tough in business it can be lonely it can be difficult quick quote from a previous podcast to get you through the week solopreneurgrind.com join if you're interested to sign up solopreneurgrind.com slash join Enjoy the rest of the episode.
1: Also to some other hurdles I'm trying to think is to be very upfront. Like if you're somebody who's always like in your shell, um, when you're, when you have a business, you kind of have to be out of your shell. Um, And some examples of that is like managing, like managing leads, right? If you get somebody who's interested in your service, now you have to put on your sales hat. You know, some people aren't comfortable being a salesperson for their own business. Um, and sometimes the sales conversations get really tough because some people, uh, they want to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper, and you have to be the expert and provide that answer. And sometimes you, again, the mindset wise, it's like, like you, I forgot what the actual name for it. It was going around on social media. I think it's like imposter syndrome. Like sometimes we think that like, we're not good enough for some reason, you know, but you are good enough because you wouldn't be doing what you're doing if you weren't good enough. Right. Um, and so sometimes like in sales conversations, you know, imposter syndrome will start to kind of like rise up and you start kind of questioning yourself It's like this person thinks I'm not a professional or an expert So yeah, you, I think are really the biggest hurdle overall like I'm mentioning the overall theme. is just getting your mindset, right? like You have the skills that already qualifies you that you're good enough. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. So now um, Just continue to just like work on yourself always, you know, um, I think I've seen a lot of design studios go up and down due to the fact that they don't change with times as well, you know, and also learning technologies. And so you always have to be a student, like I mentioned earlier as well, like you have to always be learning the new technologies, learning the new softwares, the new platforms, all these different things. It's always something that's changing, especially in what I do, digital marketing and web design. It's always changing. Even right now, I'm learning a new platform as we speak because it's just that quick, you know? And so. Again, that relates to self-discipline as well. If you're not disciplined to keep learning, like this is like when you're an entrepreneur, it's not you're never really done because industries change all the time. there's new industries popping up. you know look at Tesla, for example. A few years back there was no Tesla. So now there's a Tesla in the market and now you're gonna have to change how you do business because now you got Tesla as a competitor. And so th- these are things that are that are always going to be happening and, and if you're not cut out to handle those mindset sort of things, then you may struggle, you know? Yeah,
0: those, those are huge points, huge points. And I, I definitely agree with all of them. So Melvin, let's talk about what you're the expert at, despite what your imposter syndrome might, you know, flare up and tell you once in a while, which is kind of like the web design, the media, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would you say is like the most common service you're providing? Is it basically building websites for entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, so I lead with websites. That's my leading service is websites. And out of having a website, because the, it's a little bit different than how other people do it, but really um, it truly starts at like branding. But most com- companies who come to me, they already have the branding down packed. but it really starts at branding because branding spills over into the website design and the website design spills over into digital marketing, and that's what mm-hmm. people really want. So a lot of times when people come to me, they want, you know, they want business basically. They want, you know, tons and tons of leads in their inbox and all that stuff, but that doesn't happen if you don't have your website. And the website doesn't happen if you don't have your branding like, uh, you know, down packed. So, um, I lead with website design and that's really what I do and I my focus on is on creating like a sales machine website. So for example, I would ask like, what are your goals? Do you want to have a better sales process for your customer service team? Then that's what the the website can facilitate and do better or even sometimes automate for you. Um, there's some people who want to be able to remarket, and so they want to be able to p- do things on their website to grab c- potential customers' information to remarket to them later. Um, there's some people who want to sell just a tangible product. You know, they want to put it somewhere where that people can just go, and that's like the central hub, right? So it, it, that's really what I lead from. You know, it, it's just the website design, um, because even if you, um, like, if you, for example, like, if you wanted like if you did like a Facebook ad, right, but you have no website or you have a really bad like Wix, like Wix template website or something, it's like, what's the point of putting that ad out and spending thousands of dollars a month, you know? Right. It's really, that, that ad is actually costing your business money. You're trying to do it so you can get more money, but it's actually costing you money, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, my main core service is web design.
0: Got it, that makes a lot of sense. What would be some pieces of advice? I quickly want to touch on branding for two reasons. One, I think it's really important, as you said, it kind of, it's the starting point to those other assets. And Mm -hmm. secondly, because I don't have a design or branding bone in my body. So what would you suggest, let's say you were talking to a potential client or a client and they didn't have branding figured out. Mm -hmm. Do you have like two or three pieces of advice for them on, on how to get started down that path?
1: Yeah, um, a lot of people, they, they make decisions based on like how they feel and emotions. And so that's really where branding comes in. It kind of satisfies that emotional part of people when they choose a product or service versus another. Um, also too, um logos and just having like an entire brand kind of brand identity created, um, it kind of makes it a lot easier when you're designing everything else. It's all consistent. Um, there's been many times where I talked to like small mom and pop shops and you would see like their sign or like the sign that's out front of the store and then signage that's inside the store and then their website it's all mixed mash. it doesn't match at all it look like three different businesses and it confuses the public so having your your business branded builds consistency you know mm-hmm. and also too it makes you just stick up from your competitors there's a lot of bad ugly logos out there but if you're the one bakery or the one doctor's office or lawyer that has that nice shiny logo that looks good it builds credibility and it just makes you stand out from the rest of the other guys who just didn't care or take the time to do their branding. And it makes it a lot easier. Also, I had this little fourth point. Um, when you get products done, if you get a pen done, if you get a hat done, if you get a shirt done with embroidery or flyers or brochure, um, it all looks how it's supposed to. Every The, the branding kit covers all those different scenarios where your logo will be placed on. So that's, that's really why branding is crucial. You know, it's... Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to ha- pay for a web designer, pay for videos and ads, and then realize, oh, man, my branding, I need to, like, you know, sparse it up a little bit. I need to, like, fix it up a little. Because now you're going backwards when you should have just done it in the beginning, you have it done and over with, so you can move on to the other parts.
0: Right. Yeah, no, solid suggestions. And so when it comes to websites, mm-hmm. what are the biggest struggles or we'll call them weaknesses or, or problems that you see with clients' websites that you find yourself you know having to fix or do over mm-hmm. or start from scratch? Like w- what are most people getting wrong with their websites? Yeah, all right. <laughs> is or is funny. that a la- long list?
1: <laughs> I laugh because it's like, there's a lot, right? <laughs> right. And, 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 and there's also like, if I would just pinpoint one, the number one thing would be people just don't know how to speak to their audience. They don't know how to speak to their customer. And I have this—I don't know if I made this quote, but I'll, I'll gladly take the credit if I did—that if you're speaking to everybody, you're speaking to no one, right? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that a lot of times, people, business owners, they either do like a hack job on their website, putting it together, saving a couple of dollars, or so they think they're saving a lot, of, a lot of dollars by making their own website, like on Wix or something, or buying a template on WordPress or, or teamforce or something, and putting it, to, to, like, putting it together for themselves, but really. of all it's costing you money because you're doing your website yourself you're not an expert at what you do Uh, well you're an expert at what you do but communicating that in a way that your customers will understand it and the behaviors of the web that's where the disconnect is and so um, i would say that like the number one thing is just defining an audience for the website that's the biggest problem uh, because a lot of times what business owners would do when they either hire somebody that's kind of like a rookie level designer or they either do a website themselves is that they just talk about how great they are mm-hmm. because that's all really they know. Like, right? Like, I'm, you know, I'm a cabinet making company. So I'm going to talk about the type of woods that we use. I'm going to talk about the type of, you know, cabinets that we make. I'm going to talk about the fixture, like all the little, like, pieces that go on it. And it's going to be a me, me, me show, right? Mm-hmm. And the spotlight's going to be on me. But when the client or the potential customer goes on your website, they don't really care as much about you and how many years you have been in business. All they care about is that the problem that they have. And are you the solution and if they don't see on your website that you're the solution they just click away and go to the other guy
0: Mm -hmm. you know
1: and so that's the biggest problem is understanding who are you speaking to and in designing everything from the images from the design itself from the content the verbiage everything has to speak to that direct audience and you don't have to just pick one person you can pick one two or three but the, the the thing that i'm trying to stress here is that you have to understand who are you speaking to and then communicating that effectively through the website that's Got the it. biggest problem I see.
0: Yeah, and, and I, we probably all see it, right, when you when you go on certain websites mm-hmm. each week. I mean, I've seen my fair share of websites that just it's I, 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 kind of like what you said. Do you have any suggestions in terms of like an exercise or a resource that someone could use to figure that out, like a questionnaire or a specific, you know, do you ask yourself a certain question or two to kind of figure that out and, and actually come come up with the language
1: yeah so um the best thing to do honestly is like to get connect with somebody who does like websites and does them really well maybe and just see if they would evaluate a website for you uh, me personally i actually offer streets free sorry I'm like butchering my words uh, i offer free strategy sessions like completely free where i literally do that i will go through your website and come through it and say like exactly what we're talking about here this this website isn't really solving a problem and if it does you're not conveying it properly on your site Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll just literally do like a screen record video going through your website and then handing it over to you the screen recorded video and you can either use that um, if you know how if you feel confident and tweaking your own website or handing off to somebody you feel comfortable with or even hiring me to do it Um, that's what those strategy sessions are for but even regardless though I think that you should go to somebody who's a professional and have them look at it because they will tell you these things, you know, right from the get go. Um, the other thing too is just just take take a glance at your website and s- just scan through it, the verbiage and everything, and then go to someone else's that's like the the leader in your industry uh, or even in your area and see how their website stacks against yours. And if you notice the the real good websites, even if you look at a lot of these corporate websites, like uh, can really, well, like for example, like the Apple website right let's say you sell computers right and then you go on the apple website what's the difference between your computer website and apple you know and i i, I would gar- i would almost guarantee too that the verbiage that apple uses is a lot different than your mom and pop computer you know selling website right mm-hmm. so that's what i would do is go to somebody who knows about that you know and, and get their opinion on it i even it's a funny story too that I actually, when it comes to like testing out websites, I actually get my 11-year-old son to every before I launch the website, I have him actually go on the website and I actually I ask him like to do certain things, like find the contact page, or find right. out when this person was born on their bio page or something. And if he can't do it, then the website has failed. Right. You know. And so even that you could do at home if you if you or a grandma or a to, not toddler but like somebody mm-hmm. younger that can go through your website and and just tell them to do simple things. If they cannot do the simple things then you need a website for a designer most likely.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, they say that the average, you know, North American reads at like the 6th grade level. So so that all kind of copy whether it be website, Facebook ads, etc. should all be with that in mind, right? Shorten the words, shorten the sentences, keep yes. it super simple. Um, Yeah. If if a kid can't find the sales page, maybe your target target audience can't either. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's great, Melvin. So let's talk quickly about kind of the other primary services uh, or maybe not primary kind of secondary services that you tend to help people with a little bit beyond just the website. So let's say a client comes in, you redo the website. They're happy with that. They're like, Melvin, you know, we want to improve some of the other stuff. What? what tends to be the most common stuff that they then need help from you for? And uh, again, similar questions, like what are a lot of people struggling with and what do you recommend that they can do to improve? Mm -hmm. I think
1: uh, honestly, besides the website design, um, the second, well, it kind of goes hand in hand, is like the branding, website design, and also just overall strategy. Because um, I feel like every time I talk to like a mom and pop, um, store owner or a small business owner in general, I feel like they just are lost. Like they just, I don't understand this space. I don't understand digital market. I don't understand nothing about websites or anything like this. And I think um, strategy is really, like, I know it's not like a tangible thing, like a video or a photography or anything, but I really do think that that's up there in terms of, of services. It's just being able to sit down and have a conversation about, okay, what do you want your website to do? Or what what are you trying to do internally? What are your internal initiatives within your company that are just kind of not as smooth as you want them to be? Or what's Mm -hmm. the current problem? And kind of seeing how everything can intertwine to solve that. And so when I have a lot of those strategy session conversations, we'll kind of realize like, hey, you need a video because there's no pictures of you guys or videos explaining of what you guys do and how you do it, you know? And now in 2020, video is everything. It, you know, it, people don't mm-hmm. really read as much as they used to. Um, so video and images are really important. Um, so that's kind of how I bring in those little other services like video and photo and, and, and uh, content writing um, and blog writing and all that is uh, just through strategy. So strategy is like number one, really. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people appreciate strategy so much because it's like, wow, you, I didn't even know I had this problem over here because I was focused over here, you know, and so having somebody come in and look at your business unbiasedly um, really mm-hmm. is, is something huge for business owners. It's really that light bulb moment almost. You
0: know? Yeah, and it kind of goes back to when you were talking about the difficulties of entrepreneurship, right? Like <clears throat> you have to be disciplined and part of that too is knowing what to even do with that discipline, right? Like mm-hmm. we could, as an entrepreneur, solopreneur, it's a unique spot where you wake up and technically, like there's a blank slate right in front of you. Like, how are you gonna spend the eight, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, however many it is, uh, doing your work. And especially when it's you working on that business day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, you can kind of get lost in the weeds of the business. So there's a lot of value in an outsider coming in Mm -hmm. and saying, hey, you know, what the, you know, you're going in the wrong direction or what is the direction that you're going in here? Cause you don't seem to have one. Mm-hmm. Um, so any other suggestions in terms of how you help entrepreneurs kind of set or, or stay on that direct path or is that very much case to case basis? Or, or do you see kind of like common, you know, issues that the same solopreneurs are, are coming upon?
1: Yeah, I think the number one problem, just like really like zooming out from everything, is you have to invest in yourself. No one's going to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nobody. Right. And you got to invest in your own education, like I mentioned before, because things change quick. No matter what industry you're in, things change, you know, Mm -hmm. in 2020. Um, so invest in yourself in terms of education, invest in yourself in terms of technology, invest in yourself in terms of making processes smoother, whether it's getting a CRM or hiring out somebody to handle that particular task for you. Um, because it will pay off, I promise you, it will pay off if you are able to invest in yourself because nobody's gonna do it for you. A lot of times when um, when I was starting out, there were people who, uh, for a logo, they didn't really understand why they needed a logo. and they wanted like the cheapest price. That was like what led their choice, right? But then mm-hmm. later on, they would come back to me saying, hey, no, we want like, you know, we want you to design the logo. We're gonna pay whatever it is. We went with the other guy who was charging like five bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Exactly, and we learned, like we should've just went with you because it was such a pain. That we had to go through so many revisions and all that. So that's an example of like what I see a lot. And if it's something important, your business should be important to you. And if it's important to you, then you should invest into it the same way that you invest in like eating good food and all like, having a nice car. If mm-hmm. you're lucky to have a nice car, <sighs> um, you know, invest in your business because your business really is like a fountain. The more you invest in it, the more it's going to give water to everything else, you know, and right. so really financially and mentally investing into
0: your business. For sure. The, the old adage, you get what you pay for. You usually learn that the hard way in business. Yeah, uh, You want to almost <laughs> believe that that's not true but it is, man. It is. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, cool. Melvin. So kind of my, my last question here is what, when you say invest in yourself, I totally agree. Super important. Um, what are the ways that you find have worked best to invest in yourself? Is it reading? Is it taking online courses, seminars? Uh, and then maybe if you could suggest one or two, you know, books, courses or something that you've really, uh, gotten a lot of value from. Yeah, so
1: I invest in myself, um, to be honest, I, I buy a lot of online classes, so that's one way that I, I do it, um, the other way is a lot of YouTube consumption, mm-hmm. um, you know, my wife, it's, it's funny because like you would think that like you're on YouTube, you're just watching like funny cat videos or something, but no, <laughs> I actually, I learned a lot off of YouTube.
0: Yeah, there's a ton um, of value there for sure. Yeah,
1: I, even like having a Skillshare account, I had um, I have a Blinkist Account. I don't know if you're familiar with Blinkist. It's basically audio,
0: audio books. Yeah, it's
1: audio books, but it gives you like the gist of what the book is. If you're somebody who doesn't have time to read books, it gives you the gist. And I also have an Audible account. You know, and I'm always just reading books constantly. And um, I usually try to read books in whatever I feel like I'm struggling in at that moment. Mm -hmm. So if it's if I feel like I don't have a lot of balance, like you know, I'm kind of dropping the ball with family and putting kind of like the business stuff up, you know, on the pedestal. I'll Mm -hmm. read books in relation to that. Um, You know, if I am going through bad project management time or something, then I'll I'll read books on that. But I always equip myself in those areas where I'm weakened, and I do it a lot through just um, online research, really. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I almost think to myself, like, was it worth it going to college for this? Because everything's so much just out there. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, we could have a whole episode on that on that topic right there. (laughs) But uh, I I totally relate. I I think it was like a year or two ago where I kind of shifted to more of that focus, uh, and I think it was from a podcast that I was listening to from Tim Ferriss, where he was talking about just-in-time learning, which I'd mm-hmm. never thought about, right? Because I had kind of just, I love to read, so I'm always reading something, sometimes mm-hmm. fiction, sometimes business, mm-hmm. different topics of business biographies. Um, but sometimes you, I would read a book, and it like it wouldn't really be that applicable that month. Um, So instead, kind of taking like just in time delivery, like, you know, like the Walmart and all the business models uh, started doing just in time reading, which is, you know, focusing on the books and topics that I'm most struggling with. Exactly. Like you said, which has been super helpful. Uh, Awesome, Melvin. Well, this has been really great hearing more about your stories, hearing about your suggestions, uh, how to stay focused, how to keep learning. Uh, If people are interested in learning more about you or your company, where would you suggest that they check you out? Yeah, the
1: number one would be at my website, which is mellowmultimedia.com. And mellow is M-E-L-L-O and then multimedia.com. And also you can check me out on LinkedIn. You can just type in my name, Melvin Figueroa, and uh, I'm sure i will pop up.
0: Awesome. Melvin, thanks again for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey everyone, Josh here, checking in just one last time to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. I also wanted to say if you want even more of this business insight and motivation right to your inbox Monday through Friday, make sure to sign up for the Solopreneur Grind email list. What I did was I started a list to give solopreneurs a super quick email every Monday through Friday into your inbox. That's all it is. One quick quote, to motivate you and help you get through the day because I know how tiring and long and difficult and stressful some of those solopreneur grinds can be. So if you're interested, sign up at the link in the description or solopreneurgrind.com and I hope to have you on the list. Thanks again. Take care.